Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass in the middle. Tucker's got it. Ruby run. 15, 10. Hit, oh. hit in. Bernard's touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. In go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, you Rome, heard on 96.5 FM, heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing on the ESPN app, it's so simple, get on the ESPN app, you find uh, audio, live radio, give it a little click, a little, little, little nudge. And then you'll see all the stations listed there, and lo and behold, there we are, ready to rock and roll with you. Those are all terrific ways to take in the show. Those are all great ways to get the full audio experience, tickle the eardrums a little bit. But if you'd like to incorporate some more senses into this, if you'd like to see a radio program in all its glory, QSportsTalk.com is where you do it. Not only do you see this show, you see Orange Nation, you see Devo and Chris Joseph Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. You see chats with Syracuse basketball players, with various Q Sports Talk personalities, and so much more at the glorious QSportsTalk.com. Not only can you watch the show, you can chat throughout the show. So if you call 437-7644, that's terrific. Get on the air. You know, when you're sitting around at night and you're having dinner, it's like, how's your day? How's your day? How's your day? Yeah, it's all right. You know, just another day, another day, another day. You know, kids never tell you how school's going, right? Say, ah, that's fine, whatever. Tonight, when you sit around that dinner table, you could say, I, you know what I did? I called a radio show. I was on with the Axeman. So there's that. But see, in the live chat at QSportsTalk.com, you can opine as much as you'd like. You just keep the conversation going. So however you're doing it, we appreciate it. Make yourself a part of it. And another little bonus. But wait, there's more. I don't do a very good Columbo. I guess I'll try. And there's so many people right now, that we're kind of dividing that generation gap. Like, who's Columbo? Ah, but wait, Mrs. Johnson, there's just one more thing. When the radio audience goes to commercial break, you do not go to commercial break at QSportsTalk.com. We keep the mics on. We keep the conversation going with you. So that's a lot. There'll be a quiz later. Let's boil it down to its simplest terms, folks. Radio or QSportsTalk.com or both. I don't know. I'll leave it up to you. We've got a terrific guest joining us today, our friend Mike McAllister at 5 o'clock. We'll hop on the program. Maybe Mike's got the answer of Syracuse's defensive woes and what they can do to kind of solve that problem. We'll get the latest on recruiting as recruiting never stops and when we say recruiting, 
we incorporate the transfer portal into that. I'm going to talk about this a little later with Mike, too, but the Athletic put out a list today of some of the top talents still available in the portal. Now, there's literally over a 1,000 names in the transfer portal, so I don't know who's got to sort through all that, but that's a job. But if you really whittle it down, there's some top talents that not only Syracuse is in on but has visited Syracuse as well. So, as Dino Baber said right here on ESPN Syracuse and QSportsTalk.com yesterday, Syracuse is going to hit the portal hard, go after some specific positions, and try and get some players back after they lost about 16 players to the portal. They still have a number of starters coming back, and you know, the football team is putting together what I think is a pretty impressive offseason in a lot of ways, but certainly have to make up for the losses of those players that went to the portal. So we'll look at that. We'll talk to Mike about that. And, of course, uh, get all the latest on recruiting from Mike McAllister. Syracuse Sports Illustrated, allsyracuse.com. Looking forward to that conversation. As always, do some hot takes here this hour. We will, yes, the blind side will be back today. Rumor has it that Tommy Hogan will be joining us via video conference, if you will, from quarantine to do the blind side. Gaming it, man. Gaming it on the show today. So we'll have some fun with that later in the program. Uh, The path for Syracuse basketball in terms of schedule, there are opportunities left here. There's not a ton. You know, it's kind of when you go to the store these days. But for the most part, a lot of the supply chain issues have kind of corrected themselves, and that's a good thing. But there's still some things that – you know, you, you kind of look on the shelf and you don't even have to ask anymore. You're like, oh, boy, supply chain. Well, the supply chain is not been kind to the quad one opportunities that are there for Syracuse basketball so far and what's up ahead because the ACC is not granting as many of those. But we'll look at that specifically a little bit as we go here. But let us start with this in terms of Syracuse basketball in this conversation. It's only January 4th. I realize this. I want to be wrong about this. Make no mistake about it, folks. How often do you hear somebody in my position come on the radio, go on Twitter, write a column, whatever the case may be, and say, you know what I want to be about this? I want to be wrong. I want to be that guy. You go home. No copy of the home game. Nothing. Good day. You lose, sir. Who says, I want to be that guy. Well, in this case, I want to be that guy. But it doesn't preclude uh, preclude me, pardon me, from at least bringing up a couple of possibilities here that Syracuse basketball fans aren't used to. Here's possibility number one. This team could have a losing record. Again, I want to be wrong about that. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to be wrong about that because somehow, some way, even when they straddle that line, and they don't straddle that line often, but this is a team that it's off to its worst start since the 1969-70 season. And, you know, it depends on what markers we're going by here. But see, what you're going to hear often is worst start since fill in the blank. Worst defensive stats since fill in the blank, right? until proven otherwise, which a full slate of ACC games could change. As a matter of fact, we're going to get more into the Miami game specifically as we get closer to tip time tomorrow, and we're going to have a good friend of ours from 
the Miami Herald on the show tomorrow to get a little more of a specific view on the Hurricanes, and we'll get into that game because, look, Miami is scoring a lot. They've won seven in a row, but there's vulnerabilities on this Miami team that Syracuse needs to take advantage of, right? So we'll get more into the specifics of that game and and how Syracuse can play, but if Syracuse is going to do this, they've just got to outscore everybody. And I know that's the basic concept of sports is to have more points than the other team at the end of the contest, but they can't stop anybody. So they've got to take advantage of the games where it's like, okay, well, we can't do this against that team, but we can do that against this team. And Miami's one of those games. So we'll get into that. Okay. But the fact of the matter is they're seven and six, they're straddling the 500 line. And one major part of the game is a big struggle for Syracuse right now. And it's usually something that it anchors itself on. It's usually something they're identified by. It's usually something that when you say Syracuse basketball, you don't get to the end of the first breath before someone says 2-3 zone. Well, they can't play the zone this year. They're not a good defensive team right now, as we heard Jim Beheim say yesterday. They're a disgrace, in his words. Can they get better? Well, of course, they can but there's a lot of limitations, and I went over this a lot on yesterday's show. There's a lot of limitations this team has that I think will preclude them, that will prevent them from getting better defensively, getting better to a level where they're a functioning defense. Like right now, they're name me a stat, right? Ken Palm numbers, ACC numbers, national numbers, they're all bad. The eye test tells us they're bad. So until proven otherwise a major, major hole that this team has. So you've got to at least kick the dust on the possibility of something that has never happened. And let us remind you how spoiled you are as a Syracuse basketball fan that this has never happened. And that is you, in watching Syracuse basketball under Jim Beheim, have never seen, not one time, a losing season, not once. Am I predicting that? No. Is it possible? It's in the ballpark. It's possible. So just kind of file that away. And again, let me reiterate, let me stress, I hope I'm wrong about that, and I think I am going to be wrong about that. Okay. Now, the other thing is we're going to get more into kind of the path ahead and the schedule and to frame it in a positive way, the opportunities that lie ahead for this team coming up in the next segment. But Syracuse may out may be out of the NCAA tournament conversation sooner than ever if things go away that they're already going and forces they can control and forces they can't control continue on the trend they are on. The beauty of trends is they change. Some are within your control, some are not. Now, one that is not within their control is what the rest of the league is doing. But it does affect you because you've got to rack up some quality wins on the schedule. So Joe Lenardi today, and look, tell you what, I'll tell you what. (laughs) Say all you want about Joe Lenardi, okay? Joe Lenardi, more often than not, is wrong. He's wrong about Syracuse. He's wrong about a lot of things. But, look, he's Joey Brackets. He's the guy. When 
the brackets start coming out, you're going to look at it. If you see a bracketology cross your timeline, you're going to look at it. I fall in that trap every single time. So all that being said, Joe paints an accurate picture here of the struggle the ACC is going to have to put teams in this tournament. Bracketology today, again, two months to go here, but as of now, there are four teams that make it. And by the way, barely make it, other than Duke. The four teams that are in are Duke, Louisville, North Carolina, and Virginia Tech. Those are the four teams that seem to be on a tournament path right now. There are three on the cut line. There are three teams that were the last four out, according to Lenardi. Clemson, Wake Forest, Florida State. So somewhere between four and seven is what we're looking at right now. With three teams, last four out, like barely in the conversation. So this is an atypical year. What we can definitively say right now on January 4th is this is not going to be a typical ACC season. You have one team ranked right now in Duke. You have no teams and others receiving votes, barely in the conversation. Now, should Miami be in that conversation? I think you can make that case. But this is not a year where the ACC is going to be out there flexing. This is not a year when the conversation comes up, and sometimes coaches don't like these discussions, but people do rank these things, and they look at them, and this is more of a football conversation because it's more of a condensed conversation, obviously. Basketball, there's more leagues that factor into this thing. But, man, the ACC is always in that first breath as being the best basketball conference in college basketball. They might not even be top five this year. And You know what? If we really break it down and look at it, they might not even be top seven this year. Or I don't know where the cut line is, but it's a lot lower than it, or higher, depending on how you look at it, than it usually is for the ACC. Okay? So what can Syracuse do? And I'm asking this one rhetorically. We're going to look at it a little more specifically in the next segment and just look at the schedule, look at the numbers, and look at the opportunity that is ahead. I don't want to be Mr. Doom and Gloom here. I do want to look at the schedule and say, here are the opportunities that lie ahead for this team. But as it stands right now, you've got essentially half of the game that they simply can't do you got a schedule that in no way, shape, or form does you any favors. And remember, the non-conference schedule, there's nothing there. They didn't get anything from non-conference play in terms of quality wins. They don't have a top 50 win. They have, I believe, two top 100 wins. Last we looked, the net rankings are kind of fluctuating here and there. They've got some work to do. But even in the context of that conversation, the ACC is not providing a ton of pop opportunities. They're there. I mean, there's if they go on a heater in the right way, Syracuse is going to be in that conversation. They're going to be one of those five or six teams that we just, just discussed that will find its way into last four out, first four in, whatever conversation you want to have right now. But it is an uphill climb by every measure right now. So – I always find it's best in certain things to be prepared. I find it best to just kind of have it tucked away in the back of your head that it's a possibility. 
You can't prepare for everything in life, but when you can, when you can at least insert the thought in your brain that it is possible, I found, this is just me, that it does help absorb the blow. Telling you right now, this could be the first losing season that Syracuse has had under Jim Beheim. They could be out of the tournament conversation early. Now, the last time that happened was 2015, but we all know those were unique circumstances, right? Because that was a self-imposed ban out of the tournament. Things were happening. Rumblings were going on. We knew the NCAA thing was coming. That was a team that, man, Rakeem Christmas, God bless him, had one of the best individual seasons you can have on a team that just, you know, the walls were coming in. And eventually, but late in the year, it was official. There was still that fleeting hope, like maybe could be the way that, put aside the NCAA thing, the way that team was playing, they weren't making the tournament. But that's different. That was a unique circumstance, right? And, of course, nobody played in the tournament in 2020. So it's amazing that in the last, what, seven years, Syracuse has run into two circumstances that are like once in a century, a pandemic and... They've faced NCAA sanctions before that have kept them out of postseason play, so that one not quite as rare. But just that whole, it was just a weird circumstance, like kind of trotting along, trotting along, trotting along, and then right at the last moment, yeah, you know, uh, we're gonna, we're, we're, we're not gonna play. We don't, we don't want to. You want to play in your tournament this year? Self-imposed ban in an attempt to appease the NCAA, and that didn't even work. So that's different than what we're looking at here possibly could be looking at hope to be wrong about because I don't want to talk about a team and I'm completely stealing this uh, from Paulie and and Steve and Orange Nation and if you're a fan of this movie you'll, you'll appreciate it who are you we are the knights who say no not the knights who say the same who are they we are the keepers of the sacred words No one wants to even say those three letters together. So I'm hoping I'm wrong here. You think I want to talk about an NIT team? You think I want to talk about a losing team? You think I don't want to see a team in the NCAA tournament? I mean, what are we talking about here? Give me a break. But it's best to be prepared and have the thought in your head that if things don't improve, particularly on defense, those things are on the table. That's what's circulating. Plenty of time to fix it, though. There is. Some will look at it and say, nope, can't do it. There's definitely time to fix it. And we're going to look at that a little more specifically when we come back on the schedule, the net ranking, and uh, uh, somebody did some great work on this. I like it when somebody else does the work for us, and we can just say, yes, thank you. This person did it, and they did a great job at least presenting the opportunities ahead for Syracuse. Not as many as usual. Cupboard's not as full, but there are opportunities ahead. So we'll get into that coming up. We went through the, and I want to stress the word possibilities here. Do I think it's going to happen? No. I mean, Jim Beheim's going to die on that hill before that team has a losing record. But it's in the conversation. Like, you got to be real about these things. They can't play defense. They're 7-6 and six right now. I don't think they can just flat out outscore Everybody left on the schedule. There's going to be some teams like we saw just this past week. Virginia comes in, 
Now, Virginia is a well-coached team. They've got some talent. They've lost a bunch of guys from last year's team. But what happens is bad offensive teams become average. Average offensive teams become good. Good offensive teams become great, and so on and so forth. When you play a defense, it's struggling. That being said, let's be fair about this. So let me pull it up here. Give me a moment to um, bring it up so we can give some, some propers, if you will. Okay. Our friends at NoonsMagician.com wrote this today. I want to make sure we get the proper credit for this story. So our friend Kevin Wall wrote this. Okay, so shout out to Kevin Wall for doing the work on this. And I like the way that he framed it, right, because it's hard to look at some things right now and say opportunities. It's hard to look at some things and shine a positive light on it, right? It's hard to look at some things and be like, yes, I'm excited about this, right, because you know, there's a lot of things about this team that make you kind of straddle that line. Cardiac use, the lack of defense. and But, look, they're fighting. We know they're going to play hard. There's a lot of things to like about this team. It's hard to look at some things don't be like, hey, that's an opportunity. But in this case, I like the way that Kevin framed this and laid it out there because I think he's right. The reality is right now Syracuse is in a tough spot in terms of the net ranking, right? What we've seen the past few years is what and this is what I like about this. This is good for Brent because we can kind of update this every day and you kind of know exactly where you stand in the NCAA tournament conversation. And it's not too early to look at it, certainly for this team, because you can look at the path ahead. Okay, what is your net ranking? What are your opponents' net rankings? Where does that fit in terms of quad one, quad two? We've seen trends from the committee, what they favor what they appreciate, the teams that get in versus the teams that get out. And it's been more specific. It's been more clear. And they haven't done a lot of things right in recent years, but this is something that the NCAA has improved in recent years. The process to get in, what the rankings mean. Some people like it. Some people don't. You're never going to find a system everybody likes. But I happen to like that gives us a little clarity here as opposed to just waiting on a bunch of people in a room deciding what the bracket's going to be. We are in on the process more than ever. Okay. So as Kevin Wall looked at here, and I just want to read you a little bit of what he wrote on newsmagician.com. A road sweep this week, and suddenly Syracuse is 9-6 and six with a 4-3 and three record in quad one, quad two games. That's good. Is that going to be easy for this team? No. Miami and Wake Forest await Syracuse this week. Those are not easy games to play, but welcome to the ACC. Kevin writes, based on the latest net rankings, okay, now follow along. There's going to be a quiz later. Syracuse has 11 quad one and two opportunities left this season. As of now, five quad one games. It's not a lot, but that's what you got based on the ACC this year. And six in quad two. That's as of the rankings today. Okay. Let's go a little bit more into that. The quad one games left for Syracuse. They've got two with Duke, who's currently eighth in the net ranking, two in the AP poll. I mean, come on, you beat Duke. That's that's a major, major win. The road games against Virginia Tech, who's currently 29th, North Carolina, who's currently 35th, and Wake Forest, who's currently 56th in the net ranking. That Wake Forest game is in a couple days. That Wake Forest game is coming up. Now, Miami, 
last I looked here was, and I'll, I'll pull it up while we're yakking about it here. Last I looked, though, they were like in the 110s in the net ranking. So that presents the old, uh, if you lose it, it kills you. If you win it, you kind of gain nothing from it. It's empty calories kind of thing. But if you lose it, particularly on the road, not a good idea. So NCAA net ranking, Syracuse is currently 111. Where is Miami? I just saw it here a second ago. Give me a second, folks. Uh, 95. They're currently 95. Not the best, but you can only play what's on your schedule, right? So we just went through the prime quad opportunities for Syracuse. One of them is coming up Saturday at Wake Forest, 56 quad one game. On the road, by the way, that's a juicy one. That's a real juicy one, okay? So that's what's up ahead in the big-time wow moments. As Kevin goes on to say here, the Orange are currently 1-2 and two in quad one games, and that win over Florida State is in a precarious position as the Seminoles are 68th in the net ranking and must stay in the top 75 to avoid the win falling into that Q2 ranking. I mean, Syracuse is desperate for quad one wins. They've got that one over Florida State. But remember, the rankings fluctuate. They move. You don't get credit. Now, somebody correct me if I'm wrong on this. They don't credit you for what happened at the time. It's just what their ranking is, period. But somebody correct me if I'm wrong on that. Guys in the chat, correct me if I'm wrong on that. But one way or the other, you don't want Florida State and their ranking moving. So that's what Syracuse has right now in terms of quad one, quad two opportunities. One big one up ahead. Miami's 95. Eh. Wake Forest is a juicy one. And then what happens is Syracuse comes back next week, starting next week, and they've got three straight at home. They play Pittsburgh Tuesday, and you know, Pittsburgh is not a game that's going to help you in the net ranking, so it's just kind of a take-care-of-business game. We mentioned Florida State. That is on Saturday, next Saturday, January the 15th. So you want them, root for Florida State. You want them to stay below the 75 marker. Clemson, according to Joe Lenardi, one of the last teams out as we speak. Their net ranking at this point is, drama, what is it? It's 52. That's a juicy one, too. So that's let, let's stop right there because after that you go to Duke and we all know what that means. Right? If you want to go a little further, after that you go to Pitt and again you play Pitt twice in six games. Actually, more than one, two, three. You play Pitt twice in five games and Pitt's not helping you one way or the other. So you just got to take care of business in those games. But you got some juicy games in your near future here Wake Forest, Florida State. Clemson, Duke, Wake again. And then you're into February, and let's let's just kind of draw the line at the end of the month here. 11 games in quad one and quad two remain. So as the ACC schedule turns here, you get Boston College twice. That's not a team that's going to help you in the net ranking. Let me just pull it up just so we, we have context here. Pittsburgh is currently 213th. In the net rankings, you play them twice in five games. Boston College is currently 180th in the net rankings. 
You have them twice on the schedule. Two and three games, as a matter of fact. You play Boston College on February 8th. You play them again on February 19th. Mixed in there is Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's one of those teams sitting there on the last four outline, according to Joseph Lenardi. Virginia Tech's net ranking right now. Isn't this front? Brent looks up stuff on the radio. 30. Ooh, that's a juicy one, too. But again, I'm getting real ahead of myself here. This team obviously has a lot of issues to fix. But you know what? If you want to put the positive spin on it, the schedule presents opportunities. Not as many as usual because the ACC is down, but the quad one wins are there. And that's what the committee is going to care about. You didn't get any in non-conference play. What did you do in your conference, even though the standing of your conference is a little more of a teeter-totter than usual? So there you have it. There's the positive spin on it. Syracuse is right on the line. This could go either way right now. And this is not the familiar conversation we have. Of course, Syracuse is going to be a team that the drama will be there and we're going to be biting our fingernails right until Selection Sunday. Are they in? Are they out? It's a different circumstance by the makeup of the team and the makeup of the schedule. But as if we sit here today, January 4th, they control their own destiny. Just got to win those big games. Avoid the pitfalls. But the margin for error is as slim as it's ever been. 